Am I on? There you go. Well, stand up with me and let's confess Isaiah 50. I can't read that. So, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. I love that. I love that. Well, tonight, I'm going to talk about the kingdom of God. First, I'm going to pray. Father God, I just thank you for the opportunity to come together, to share, to understand. Lord, I just ask that you pour out your spirit tonight, that this be your words and not mine, your spirit. Lord, show us what you want us to hear going forward. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to give, since Jonathan's not here, I'm going to say he wrote it. He posted something on Facebook that just left me just with a with a a burning in my in my spirit. And I'm going to read it. Is it up there yet? Kingdom of God. Unfortunately, we live in a world. You may have read this. Unfortunately, we live in a world where many believe that we have created the perfect versions of government, from a democracy to communism to socialism and many other political structures. Humankind has tried time and time again to establish some level of social security construct. The only problem is that the only nation that will undoubtedly stand the test of time is the kingdom of God. It is a government founded on eternal principles that does not shift or alter with the sands of time. We must come to realize that the kingdom mindset should be the primary driving force that influences everything we do and speak. As ambassadors to our king, our primary job is to obey his word, reflect his son, and promote righteousness. I'm going to read that again. As ambassadors to our king, our primary job is to obey his word, reflect his son, and promote righteousness. With so many distractions vying for our attention, A spiritual gut check is needed. In order to know where our true allegiance lies, the government of this world or the kingdom of God. Isn't that the truth? So let me give Jonathan credit. Well, he wrote a good good paragraph there since he's not here. And so if I mention it again in a couple weeks as I wrote it, (laughs) that's how that works. (laughs) But I love where, I don't know where he got it. I wanted to ask him that tonight before he got here. So one of the things I wanted to talk about first was, you know, I, and when I first read this, I said, you know, wow, the last four years have been really, really tough. No wait, the last ten years have been really, really tough. No wait, since 2000, we have just seen a lot of stress, war and you know, famine and wait, rumors of war, famine. I, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? So as I started looking at that, like I said, it just left a burning in my heart. I said, wow. So kingdom knowledge is, and since we're, this is a mature crowd, and, and Wednesday night is, welcome all of you who are, at the, or, or are on uh, Facebook. 
I'm going to go to kingdom knowledge. The kingdom of God is defined, and I'm going to go through this really quickly because we know this, but I'm going to reiterate some of the things that we know that we don't talk about very much, that we take for granted. It's God ruled. It's the spirit of God's rule and reign, his kingdom, his domain, right? That's what we talk about. The acknowledged and unacknowledged authority of God. We have people all over the United States and world who don't acknowledge the authority of God until it hits them right in the face. But it's true, it's there. The purpose and will of God is part of the kingdom of God. And we know that. We talk about it. We just, we just sang tonight, how great is our God? A relational kingdom, we relate to God through a covenant instead of obeying laws and rules, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Pastor Larry and I often preach the if-then covenants. If we do this, then God will do this. If we'll just humble ourselves and pray, then God will heal our land. And there's a lot in between. And there's many, many verses of the covenant that is like that. Those aren't rules that say you have to follow. Those are things we have to participate in. We have to actively do that if we want to see how great is our God. Is that right? So God made covenant with man in Genesis. We all know that. He said, make mankind in our image. That's not how we look, of course. It's the Holy Spirit in our spirit. And he made us to be like him. For a reason. He had a plan from the very beginning, didn't he? So, get, so God created mankind. His own. That is the kingdom knowledge we're supposed to be aware of and walk with all the time. God made us in his image. He made us to be able to follow what he's getting ready to tell us through Jesus. He gave us the understanding, the spiritual knowledge. So what is it? The kingdom is past, present, and future. His kingdom was and is and will be. And you know, it says in the Bible, and in the Amplified, it says, when, when they ask, who, what is his name? He says, I am what I am, and I will be what I will be. That expands it a little bit further, doesn't it? I will be what I will be. King of creation. Go to Colossians 1, 15 through 20. I hope I don't stay here all night. The supremacy of the Son of God. You got that up? Yeah. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now, think about that. He's talking. About, this is Paul talking about Jesus. The Son is the, invisible, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Who else is the image of God? We are. Isn't that what I just said a minute ago? God created us in our image. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and earth. This is Jesus we're talking about now. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Okay, let me say that again. All things have been created through him for him. It's almost a concept we can't get our head wrapped around, that God, the Son, created the world for him to operate in so he could come tell us how it works. Right? 17. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 
I don't think I've ever read this in Colossians before. This is real, this is really this this is part of that fire that 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 quote gave me. I said, "Wow." And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. 19 is really good. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. All the fullness of God was dwelling in in Christ. And what he came to earth and he spent three years doing with the disciples was to teach them how the fullness of God could dwell in them as well. He already knew it. He just had to spend that long to put the scriptures together so that we could hear it and see it. 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Here's the, 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 this is the covenant by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The blood covenant that was, that was put together. You know, we do communion a lot. We talk about blood covenant a lot. We don't understand that a covenant is our choice. And when we have people who need to see that and hear that, we, and we're supposed to love everybody, I understand that, but when, so, like when we get into the jail scenario, and those guys are hard, and we're supposed to love them, and we do, and we talk to them in love, but we, if all we do is talk to them about love and walk away and never, ever share the blood of Jesus, never, ever share the righteousness then we have failed. We have to be able to go to those people and say, do you know Christ as your personal Savior? You remember the fellow, I can't remember what his name was now, Ridgeway, used to come here all the time. He was an NFL guy. And I mean, all he talked about was Christless eternity. Remember that? I mean, he would go check into a hotel and he'd be, he'd be witness, he'd get the, the, the clerk saved before he got his keys. He, was, he said, I don't want anybody to go into a Christless eternity. He'd get on the elevator and start preaching to people. They'd get saved. He knew and understand what it said by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That's what we're supposed to do, guys. That's how we're supposed to treat this. We're supposed to say, this is what I'm supposed to do. So what is life in the kingdom like? Jesus spent a lot of time talking about the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God. Trying to give us examples since we weren't going to be able to. And, and really, early on as a Christian, you don't understand what the kingdom of God is like. And the first one he talks about is the parable of the sower. You know, sowing the seeds, and some fell on the path, some fell on the rock, some fell among the thorns, and other seed fell on good soil. When you're a baby Christian, that doesn't make any sense. You start witnessing to people, you see it firsthand, don't you? Some people are thorns, some people are rocks, some people are good soil. But it's our job to sow the seeds. It's our job not to just sow the seeds and then wait around and help them through the next part of the transition and then the first fruits. And the, No, we sow the seeds and we move on, just like Ridgeway did. And someone else is going to come along and, and, and bring them to fruition, and if they've really accepted Christ, that's going to happen because Christ is going to pay attention. The angels are going to be standing next to him. So when after all that was over, he said to the disciples, why do you speak to the, the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak in parables? 
And he, this is, look at his answer. That's, he said, because the knowledge of the secrets of heaven, of the kingdom of heaven, has been given to you, but not to them. You know how powerful that is? Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you. You have been chosen to hear these secrets. And you know what? That's where the church came from, those 12 guys, those 11 guys. Because they, they, their secrets were shared with them. So what are the rest of the parable? The kingdom of God is like a man who sowed a good seed and someone put weeds in it. That's the enemy. He's talking about the enemy is going to come and put weeds in there. You know what he says? At the end of time, those weeds will be gathered and thrown into the furnace. A mustard seed. He talks about that as the largest of the garden plants. It's not an accident that later on he's talking about faith the size of a mustard seed. He's, so he's using examples that these guys can understand. A net that was let down into the, the kingdom of God is like. And he says that on every parable. The kingdom of God is like this. It's like this. It's like this. Have you understood all these things, he said? And he said to him, and, and they said yes. And he said to him, therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. We're responsible for bringing those treasures to people to understand, to hear, to see. You know, just like when we hear in so many scriptures, and you guys have all done it, reading the, the Bible, and for the 20th time you read this one scripture, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit says, this is what it means. And you go, wow, why didn't I ever see that? Because it wasn't time yet. But that's one of the treasures brought forth. And the Holy Spirit does that for us all the time. So how are we supposed to relate to the kingdom? Philippians 1, 27 through 30. I think you have that one too, don't you? Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner, and look at this, worthy of the gospel of Christ, his teachings. We have to conduct ourselves. That's wor- We can't just show up on Sunday and then head for lubies, and we're done for the week. We have to be able to live a life that's worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that wherever we're at, people can look at us and go, what's different about you? How come you're so happy in the midst of a pandemic? Or as Audrey said the other night, in the midst of a panoramic. (laughs) I said that was pretty funny. I'm going to use that. (laughs) But you know what? We're... Look at what's happened over the last 20 years. And that's where I finally said, wow, 20 years of war, unrest, murder. It's been amazing. And whether I come and see you only about, see you only hear about you in my absence, I will know you stand. Let me read that again. Then when I come and see you, this is Paul talking, or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. So that when we go out to minister somewhere, or you're ministering by yourself, and I'm ministering over here, and we come together, people are going, hey, you guys are alike. They're going to see Christ. They're going to see the Holy Spirit. They're going to hear, not me, or Pastor Roy, or Ennis, they're going to hear Jesus. And that's what they're supposed to hear. That's how we're supposed to do it. We don't have the pride to say, look what I can do. I can preach this and I can do that. And No, no. 
You have to get on your knees and cry with them and pray. And say, I'm so sorry. You're, I'm sorry your life was bad. The guys, I'm talking about the guys that we see in the jail. I'm sorry you never had a chance to do what I got to do, which was live a good life. And so you ended up here five times. But I'm telling you there's a better way. I'm telling you there's a better way. And you hug him and you cry him and you love on him, but you say you've got to take Christ with you when you leave here. That's the only answer that we can come up with. So, kingdom knowledge. Remember in John 3, we have to receive Christ, of course. That's the first thing. Then we have to be spirit-filled. And then we pray and then we read the Word. And it's not quite that simple. When he's talking to Nicodemus, he says, Very truly, I say to you, don't be some... No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. I don't care how nice you are, how good you are. Good luck wrote that, that handout that we have that says good people don't go to heaven. That offends some people. It really does. When you pass that, what do you mean good people don't go to heaven? I said, do you know Christ? No. Well, you're not going to heaven. It's just simple. Now, we're not quite that brutal with it when we're out there talking to people. But that's how we have to approach this. Verse 6, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. For a lot of years, being born again meant, okay, I just received Christ. It wasn't until I read Ezekiel a couple, three years back, Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27, it says, I will give you a new heart of flesh. Take away the heart of stone. I will put in you a new spirit, small s. That's a, that's a human spirit. I will give you a new spirit. That's be born again. When you are conceived, you get a human spirit, right? When you're born again, you get a new human spirit. That became so real to me when I read that. And then it says, I will give you my spirit. Big S. Read it. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. That's truly being born again. So we have to receive Christ. Then we have to be spirit-filled. And a lot of people argue with that. They don't understand what it means because it's foolishness to them. If you, and Jesus said this, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. Well, you can't ask for more than a spirit of truth to walk with you side by side. When you get ready to say something, have you ever had this happen when you're getting ready to talk to someone and all of a sudden you're witnessing to them and it's just been a, a really a, a, a time of, of celebration and you walk away and you go, I wonder where that came from. That's the spirit of truth. That's the spirit of the holy living God working through you to that person. It has nothing to do with you. But it has to be, be open to that. Be open to understand that the kingdom knowledge that we're supposed to have is supposed to be workable. We're supposed to be using it as a tool, right? The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. All this I have spoken while still with you. Listen to this. This is verse 26. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, uh, and I quote this to the guys all the time, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and listen to this, will remind you of everything I said to you. 
So you can read the Gospels, you can read it, and you're going, okay, I've got to remember this. I gotta. But you get into the Spirit, and you start witnessing to people, and you start preaching it, and pretty soon you're saying, you know, me and, me and Roy laugh about this all the time, pretty soon you're saying things that you didn't know you knew. That's the Holy Spirit reminding you of things you heard that Pastor Goodluck said four years ago, or some, some other preacher that we heard, or something we read. He'll remind you of everything I've said to you. Who? Jesus. Everything Jesus said to us. And he's telling the disciples that. And as we read that, because he said that, God, that was God saying it to the disciples, who is now saying it to me. I'm able to reuse that. I'm able to walk in that. I don't have any fear when it comes to being able to go up to people and start talking to them. I've heard a lot of people say, well, I'm just not good at talking. Open your mouth and start. And everything that you know Will be remind, you will be reminded of. That's what it says right there. I didn't write it. In John 15, and he's, and he's, and he's really, really, uh, he, in 14 and 15 in John, he was preaching to, the, to the, the, he knew where he was going. He knew he was going to the cross. He knew he, was, he had to get these guys trained and trained up and us. So when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who goes out from the Father, He will testify about Me. That's what I was just talking about. So when we use the Spirit and we, we relinquish our knowledge, our ability, the Spirit starts to come out. And you must also testify, for you have, you have been with Me from the beginning. So He's telling the disciples, because you know all this, you have to teach everybody this. You have to bring this. Thank God they did. Because they taught someone who taught someone who taught someone who ministered to me. And it's our responsibility to carry that forward, especially in this day and age. I keep going back to where we've been for the last, excuse me, 20 years. The division, the strife, the things we have seen, the murder rate going up, the abortion rate going up, the People who are who are uh, wars in Afghanistan and Iran and, and all these, we have young men, three or four thousand young men have died on the battlefields of Afghanistan. For what? I don't know. Can you tell me what? I was in the military five years. I can't tell you what. But they lost them for some reason. And I'm sure they, we thought as a government we were doing well. Poverty joblessness, all that, all that. The fear that has gripped this country for 20 years is not an accident. That's the enemy. It's the enemy. And when we, and, and just recently, a year ago, we found out we have the pandemic and we're all going to die. It's the black plague. We have to stay in our homes. We can't go out. We have to wear a mask while we're driving by ourselves. <laughs> you know, and and I, and I laugh about it, but there is that true fear. And I know there are people who are so scared they won't go to the store except if they have a special set of clothes and they're wearing gloves and a mask. Early on, did you see that at the store? They had masks and gloves and a face shield. And they would come home and wash everything and throw the clothes in. The, you know, and just so much fear. So much fear. And a, and a few people thought I was being facetious and they said, Aren't you scared? I said, no, because I know where I'm going. I'll be, you know. 
better for me if I do die, I get to go stand in front of Jesus, you know, and say, look at that. <laughs> what are you going to do about that? But I'm not, I'm not afraid of that. I'm not afraid of if something were, if I were to catch something or if something were to happen like a stroke or a heart attack or something like that. I'm not, I'm not afraid to say, this is not my portion. I am healed in the name of Jesus. Right? I'm just, I'm willing to, but you got to believe it. You got to say it. In Acts 1 4, and this is where he's teaching the people do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He, wouldn't, he wasn't kidding. He wasn't saying, I hope this happens for you. He said, Stay here, pray about it. Wait for it to happen. All this stuff I've been telling you about the Advocate and the Holy Spirit is going to happen. 3,000 people came to Christ that day. 3,000 people received the Holy Spirit. Peter, who was an uneducated fisherman, stands up and gives the most eloquent speech you've ever heard. Quoting Joel and a few other, you know, How'd that happen? That's the Holy Spirit. So, we've, we've received Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. And that's one of the big, big stumbling blocks for a lot of Christians who are taught otherwise. They're taught that the Holy Spirit isn't for today. It was for those apostles at that time. And bless their hearts, they really believe it. They don't understand that the fullness of what we have as Christians to become complete includes that infilling of the Holy Spirit, right? It has to happen if you want to. Now, you don't have to have it to go to heaven, but man, life on earth is going to be a lot more fun if you can use the Holy Spirit to do the things Christ wants us to do. What he preached about, what he said to do. And one of the things is praying. A real, dedicated, consistent, and persistent prayer life. Not just on Sundays. Not just at mealtimes. And everybody who's listening, I'm telling you, you got to have a good prayer life. Ephesians 6.18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. That means while you're working, while you're walking, while you're driving, while you're talking to people, just pray all the time. Continually, it says, in the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Rejoice always. Pray continually. How do you pray continually? And I thought about that a few years back. Someone said, how do you pray continually? I'm getting ready to get on a plane. I'm flying to somewhere. I don't know where it was. And every time I'd get on a plane, I flew a lot with Baker, and I would put my hand on the outside of the door like I was bracing myself to get on the plane, but I was proud blessing the plane. <laughs> Bless this plane, Lord, as we think, and I was doing it silently. Until I realized the guy who's flying for the first time has the same odds that I do of <laughs> that thing going down. It's like I quit doing that. But I said, that's the first time I ever realized you can actually pray in tongues in your mind. <laughs> it's funny how that works. But pray continually on all things. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious about anything. Boy, that's easy to say, isn't it? 
Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Listen to this, and seven is my favorite. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace that he's talking about, he says, peace I leave you, not the peace the world gives you, my peace. When Jesus said, I give you my peace, he's talking about God's peace. Right? I want that. I want that peace in my heart. I want that peace in my mind. And all I have to do is pray. Don't be anxious about anything in every situation. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Yeah, but I'm kind of worried. <sighs> Don't be worried. You know, I have to preach this over and over. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding... And you just lay it before the Lord. Long time ago, after, I forget what, I think I'd had, had the stroke thing, and, and I was really struggling. And we were behind on our house payment. We were behind on car payments. We were behind on all that. And it was over in the old building, and I was laying there one, one morning on the floor by myself and crying into the carpet. And this peace came over me. And I stood up and I said, God, it's all yours. I don't want any of it. I don't want the house. I don't want the cars. I don't want none of it. And you know what? Turned around the next three weeks. Got a job making $120,000 a year. I didn't care. Isn't that funny? All that went away and I didn't care about it. I don't care. I still don't to this day. Kathy wants to get new furniture. I don't care. Just figure out how you're going to pay for it, right? No, I really don't. It doesn't bother me a bit. So, the last thing is read the Word. Study and meditate. Oh, and did I mention study and meditate? Yeah. There's a difference. Reading the Word is different than studying the Word. Studying the Word is different than meditating on the Word. Why? What does meditate do for you? Well, now you're kind of caught in between prayer and comprehension and asking God to help you understand what's going on here. And then all of a sudden you want to jump up and share it with somebody. So make sure you're praying with other people <laughs> so you can stand up and share it with other people. But that's how it happens. That's what meditation does for you. When we meditate on the And you can meditate on it while you're driving to work, especially down 290. Well, old 290. Remember how bad that was? You can meditate on the Word while you're driving. So part of how what we have to do there, my goodness, We've got another hour to go here. And, I, and I, I taught this at the men's group the other day on how to renew our minds. Remember that? And I'm going to start with Isaiah 40, 30 through 31. And, and this is, we all know this one. It's, it's about the eagle. Even youth shall faint and be weary and be select, and selected young men shall feebly stumble, this is amplified, and fall exhausted. 31, Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait for the Lord, parentheses, who expect, look for, and hope in Him, shall change and renew their strength and what? Power. 
They shall lift their wings and mount up close to God, as eagles mount up to the sun. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint or become tired. And part of that is because I have the peace of God that guards my, my mind and my heart. Right? That's where the power comes from. That's what he's talking about. So it said, shall change and renew their strength and power. We have to actively say, I want to renew. This, man, this world will take it out of you quick. I mean, you, all day long you're dealing with this and bills and you got this happening and oh, the, the, the car won't start and, you know, there's stuff. You know, this week <laughs> there's water coming out of the ceiling or whatever, you know. And, and we have to slow down and stop, renew, and say, I want to, I want to, be, I want to approach this better. We're allowed to do that. We're allowed to say, okay, stop. I know I've been kind of cranky this morning. I know I've been doing some things I shouldn't have, should have, shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have thought that. Take a deep breath. I'm going to go pray for a minute. I'll be over it. I'll be good. Renew me, Father. Renew me. And that's what, that's what uh, David said in Psalm 51 after, his, after he'd sinned with Bathsheba and his son died. In, in verse 9 of 31, he says, Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God. He knew his heart had, it was, was compromised. And it happens. And we talk about heart, we're talking about our mind, will, and emotions, right? We're talk, not talking about the physical heart. Create in me a pure thought process, Father God. Give me that again and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Small s. Renew that steadfast spirit that you gave me when I became born again. Renew that one more time. And we get overs and overs and overs with that. You don't just get to pray that once and you're done. You're done. Go away. No. God said, do this all the time. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. It's reminiscent of Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people are called by my name. Are you called by his name? I am. We all are. Will humble themselves, get on their face, ask for forgiveness from sins. Then I will hear from heaven. See, that's what see, that's what I love about that scripture. We base our men's group on that scripture. We can we can complain about all the promises, we can complain about all the problems, we can complain and we can say, Lord, you just don't understand, this is what I'm going through. But as soon as you say his word, his voice, he turns his head and goes, I heard that. What was that? Right? That's why it's so important to pray the word. Instead of just praying our own magnificent pride, our own magnificent things, our own eloquence. And some of us can get pretty eloquent when we pray. If you practice it long enough, does God hear that? Not till you get to this part. Where he says, and now I hear your word. Now I hear it. In Psalm 103, verse 4, it says, Who redeems your life from the pit and corruption, who beautifies, dignifies, and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. Listen to this, verse 5, 103.5. Who satisfies your mouth, this is amplified again, your necessity and desire at your personal age and situation. 
very specific for each one of us. It's not just a general thing that he's going to... He's going to say, he's going to satisfy my mouth, my necessity, and my desire at my personal age. You know, we're not elderly yet, right? That's what you said. And our situation with good so that your youth is renewed. And the youth isn't just physical. He's talking about our youth of our spirit. It's like having a new spirit again, right? It's like the eagle, strong, overcome, and soaring. So what do we have to have? The mind of Christ. We've talked about that before, too. And I know everybody keeps talking about that. In 1 Corinthians 2, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So if you want to talk to God, you have to pray in the Spirit, right? Now we pray with God. I just talked about that a minute ago. We pray in our spirit, and until we use His words, He doesn't hear it. So we have to pray His word. He spoke that word and said, here, use this. Well, I have to meet my rent, and I have to do this, and I have, you know, and I did. Pray my word back to me. I gave it to you so you could pray it to me so I could heal your land. Pretty simple, isn't it? If, then. And so many things he has in the Bible says, if you just do this, then I will do this. And we go, well, I want then. And we go for the then rather than the if first, right? We have to really focus ourselves to do it like we're supposed to. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we, be, we may understand what God has freely given us. Listen to this. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. Say that again. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Don't you want that? I do. The person without the Spirit doesn't accept these things. It's foolishness to them, and people in other denominations will tell you that. No, that doesn't happen. That's not. That's, that's of the devil. And I've heard him say that to me. <coughs> Excuse me. The person with the Spirit makes judgment about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Now listen to this. But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. What mind did Christ have? The mind of God. We have the fullness of God. It says that in the scriptures. So if we have the mind of Christ, there's nothing to fear to go back for the last 20 years. The fear that we've had through the pandemic and the wars and the, the, the political divisions, especially that we've seen over the past 10 years, probably 15 years now, the political divisions we've seen are purposely generated by the enemy 
to divide a God-based country into factions that begin to kill each other. How sad is that? We need to pray that off of our country. We need to pray that off of our politicians. Every, every politician. There is no Democrat or Republican. There is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of the world. And where we live, pastors preached it so many times, vote your belief. And I'm, not, I'm not making this political. Walk your belief. Talk your belief. I was asking Kathy today, I said, how many people do you think are, are really gay? L-B-G-T, however, however many letters they put in it now. And most people, when I ask them that, they, they say 20, 30 percent. It's 3 percent, 3 and a half of the whole total population. How many abortions happened last year? 100,000? Try 2, 3 million. How many murders happened in our major cities? What kind of pandemic happens that the whole country shuts down and then the whole world shuts down? We have to have the strength to stand against that. We have to have that peace that passes understanding. We have to be made alive in Christ. And though, and though we know this is going on around us, I want our church filled with people who are going, we want to be like you guys. We want to understand what's going on. We want to see the Spirit of God moving on everybody, regardless of race, creed, or color, or belief, that the Holy Spirit of God is operating. And that we're going to, you guys are going to be the ministers, too, those of you watching. If you're, if you're paying attention on a Wednesday, you're being trained up right now to be the ministers going first. When the vision that pastor has talked about is starting to come to fruition, we better be ready to what we're going to have to go do. We're going to be soldiers in this. We have to have these, these concepts on our lips. In Romans, in Romans 8 is such a great chapter. You got, I could quote the whole thing here. You remember, uh, oh shoot, what, um, who's our teacher? Wayne Hinky. For the last five years, all he ever taught out of was Romans 8. <laughs> Romans 8. Because <laughs> he could get lost in that. It's just it's such a great chapter. Because you know, creation is eager and waiting in expectation for us to fulfill our rightful place in, our, in, in the world here. That spirit of decay that started way back in the garden, we should be able to have dominance over that. So in Romans 8, 26, in the same way the Spirit helps us with our weakness. We do, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, big S, 
because the Spirit of God intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. I'm going to end it with that. How can people read this and say there's no Holy Spirit, no speaking in tongues, no operational, and they go for for an hour and a half to whatever service they go to, the choir comes up, the preacher comes, they do the, and then they leave. They've missed it. We're going to have to teach. People are going to get hungrier and hungrier for this. We're going to have to be able to say, we don't know what we ought to pray for. The Spirit Himself intercedes through, for us through our wordless groans, through our speaking in tongues. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, the mind of Christ. Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Father God, I just thank you for your outpouring of your Spirit on this church. Lord, we receive and practice and desire for you to speak to us and to walk according to your word. Help us, Lord. When we get ready to hit the, the street out here, Father God, and we're opening new churches and we're hitting new countries, Father God, give us the strength the knowledge and the outpouring of your Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen.